making that. I really appreciate that. Uh, interestingly enough, um, well, turn your Bibles to Romans 1, Romans chapter 1, your copies of the Scriptures. Uh, this week, uh, that's the second time this week I've heard that song. Uh, the other time uh, was an interesting experience. Uh, occasionally get asked by groups to come speak about history and, and tell stories, I guess. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, a local Amish man, a bishop, had called and wondered if I'd come speak to the youth, the Amish youth. And uh, these are the singing youth, uh, actually locally here, not very far from here. And there's about a hundred of them there uh, Friday night. And we had chicken and mashed potatoes and dressing. And, and then they sang. And they sang Amazing Grace. Now, they sang it differently than we do. Uh, a little higher and with much more volume than we do. Um, but as I was sitting there, I, you know, we, it's easy for us to be uh, negative about our fellow Christians sometimes who aren't the way we are. And as I looked across the room, I saw this young man uh, get tears in his eyes as he sang this song. And I thought, ah, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to assume they're Amish young people, they're not, they don't care. And he got tears, and afterwards he came, and I, I, I spoke to him just a little bit, and I, I said, uh, you must enjoy singing. He said, oh, it's the message of the song." And I, I thought, oh, he, he's, he got it. He got the message of the song. And I, I wonder for us who have grown up with the gospel, which is the theme of my sermon this morning, uh, the power of the gospel, I wonder for those of us who have grown up with it sometimes, whether we can kind of, it's easy for us to lose track of who we are and what God has done. Uh, I, I would like to read from Romans 1. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17 now. This is Paul writing at the, at the very beginning of the letter to the church at Rome. He says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as, is it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, there's something about the context of this passage that you need to understand. And so we're going to back up. That's the heart of it. And what I really want to focus in is verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now in the verse just previous to this, or a couple verses previous to this, Paul has been talking about the gospel and so on. And he says... Um, in verse 13, I, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. For I am under obligation, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome. Then he goes right in, that, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Everyone believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice what Paul does here. Initially he says to the Greek and to the barbarian, and then to the wise and to the fool, and then to the Jew and to the Greek. 
And I was thinking about that, and it, it forced me into some research. In, in the Greek, in the Roman world, where this is written, where Paul is moving and operating, where the gospel is growing, in the Roman world, the Romans thought there was two groups of people, Greeks and barbarians. Anyone who wasn't Roman or Greek was barbarian. So the Jews were barbarians in their eyes. And they also further segregated people into two kinds of groups, the wise and the fools. So, uh, so it is both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. And then and notice he says, for it is, it is to the Jews and then also to the Greeks. The Jews separated people as either Jewish or Greek. So what Paul is saying, the gospel is vibrant and powerful to everyone. Amish, Mennonite, whatever barriers we have created artificially in this world, Republicans and Democrats, those this side, that side, black, white, any barrier like that, Paul is saying the power of the gospel goes across those barriers and it is actually the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The only, there are two groups of people in the world in God's eyes, those who believe and those who do not. That is the only separation of people. So the, 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 the gospel is for everyone. Now we've all heard the gospel, and we all kind of think about it as the good news. Earlier in this chapter, Paul actually defines what the gospel is. Go to, go to uh, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now listen, then, now he describes the gospel. Here, here's what the gospel is. That something that God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is it that God promised in the, in the Old Testament through the prophets that would come? What is it? Who is it? Jesus. The gospel is not a, a set of bullet points on a piece of paper. It's a person. Notice he says, So he promised beforehand through his Holy uh, Prophets, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus and his resurrection and power over death. So the, the, the gospel is truly the good news. And when we think about... Uh, I, I kind of got caught, caught up in, in the news, and very little of it is good sometimes. I often think, what would happen if you'd get a, turn the radio or go on the internet and you'd see a news site and they'd say, well, there's not no bad news today. Oh, it's all good news. You know, um, so-and-so uh, gave a million dollars to help children. So-and-so, just all good news. But I'm telling you, that in the, in the realm of God's kingdom, the news is good. And the news is because Jesus came and he conquered the ultimate enemy of all of us, death. Think about it. Uh, we all fight against death. It is the ultimate enemy of mankind. And it, it's not just physical death. It's also spiritual death. Do you ever hear somebody describe, I just kind of feel dead inside? Or feels a little dead Dead is something much more than just life or death. It is something about the way we live. Now, uh, just another passage that maybe describes it 
and I will read it to you. It is in Revelation 14. Now, you would not think that the gospel would be clearly in, in Revelation, but in Revelation 14, there are, and I do not pretend to understand all of uh, this, but I do know that this is true. It, the, the 144, the Lamb and the 144,000 have just been na- named out. Then there is a message of three angels. The first of those angels in, in Revelation 14, verse 6, it, uh, the writer says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. So the gospel, this eternal, this angel is proclaiming an eternal gospel for all nations, all tribes. Again, no divisions. Everyone gets the opportunity to hear this. And I was, I was, so I've, I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about that in relation to what Chris shared about freedom last week about how we are free to do things, and it, it just uh, it stimulated my, my thinking. Now, if we go back to Romans 16, and, and earlier in Romans he had used this word too, you have to know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. There are two Greek words that are translated into our English word power in the New Testament. One is exosia, and it means authority. I give you the power to act. I... Uh, Jimmy, you can get up and walk out the back. If I, if I told Jimmy, you get up now and you come up here. So that would give him the power to get up and come here. Now he can do it without me giving him that power. Or you tell your children, you may do that. That is power given to a child to do what they need to do. That's, that's authority given. That's not what this word means. So don't think about this as kind of an authority given. This, this word is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. And what is dynamite? Why does dynamite explode? By the way, when I was a little kid, um, my grandparents had a shop, and we'd go up the steps of the shop, and at the top end of the shop, there was a trough where they'd throw all their parts in, and my cousins and I loved to root through that. There was motor parts and tools thrown in there and wood pieces, and one day we were rooting through, and we came across something that it was in a stick and had a short fuse on the end. It looked like a large firecracker. And uh, I carried that thing downstairs, and I asked my grandpa, what is that? He said, where did you find that? And I said, upstairs. And he said, it's dynamite. It's a stick of dynamite. They used to use it to open the creeks up and so on. But what is it that makes dynamite explosive? Can you imagine us little kids? We can a fire tackle, lighting a match and whipping it around. What is it that it, dynamite is explosive because of its uh, uh, of its makeup. And that's what this, this word means, inerrant power. So uh, let's read it like that. It's not authority, but it's power. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the inerrant power of God. Because of what it is, it is powerful. So what is it? It is Jesus' life over death. And when I think about that, I just want to end, uh, I want to kind of think through practically three things that the gospel does to us when we embrace the gospel. First of all, the gospel delivers us from sin. Now in the Bible, sin is seen in two different ways. There are acts of sin, and then there is sinful nature. And you all, when we dedicate these babies this morning, we understand that they're going to grow up 
with a sinful nature, with the nature of, of sin in them. And at some point, they're going to have to make a decision to embrace the gospel, the, the life of Jesus. And, and so everyone is, is, is born in sin. Now, they're safe until they reach the age of accountability. But I, but I, was, I was reminded of this when Chris read from Galatians 5 last week. And Galatians 5 says, Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know how hard that is to do? That is really, really hard to do. But you can do it because Jesus conquered sin and death. And, and I, I often think about people who... It doesn't mean we live perfectly. It means we need forgiveness. We need to repent and constantly be repenting and, 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 and confessing as God exposes more of us. But it means that we actually have power over sin. It does not have its grip on us anymore. So uh, the power, the gospel delivers us from sin. If you're struggling with, with something uh, like anger, uh, or malice, or hatred, or uh, lust, or something like that. I, I don't have uh, an easy fix for you. I, however, have someone who can fix it. And what you need to do when you're struggling with those is say, I am struggling with this, Jesus. I need your help. Do you know what you're doing when you're doing that? You're saying, I am helpless to fix this myself. I need help. And when we say we need help, he will help us. Now, it doesn't make it easier, or it doesn't make it easy. It, it, it does, however, make it possible. And uh, Paul, Brother Paul here, very vividly says, I have wrestled and struggled with this. If you go on and read through Romans, Romans 7 is this uh, uh, chapter where he says, you know, I wanted to do this, I couldn't do it, and I, I needed to do this, and I didn't do it, and all this. And, and he's talking about uh, how uh, Jesus is... is is redeeming us. And never think about the, the victory over sin and the sin nature. Yes, it, it starts when you embrace the way of Jesus. But even more importantly, it grows as you say, I need help. You know what the words that are the hardest for any, nearly any human to say? I need help. Because when we're doing that, we're admitting we cannot fix our problems on our own. There is someone who will live us, uh, lives in us that can help us. So it is, it is the power that delivers us from sin. Because Jesus took death on him, he gives us the power in the gospel to overcome death. And again, death is not just physical death, it's also spiritual death. The second thing the, 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 um, the gospel does is it, break down, it breaks down barriers. It breaks down all barriers that humans have put up to keep their people in check. And thank God for that. Do you know the one power... So, so Paul is writing this at the height of the power of the Roman Empire. It, is, it, it stretches from, great, from Germany to uh, Africa. It, is the, it has the greatest standing army in the world. It has developed systems of roadways that they can move armies that is, is, is astronomical. 
And Paul and this small group of ragtag followers of Jesus says, says there is something even bigger than this. There is something that, that crosses all those boundaries and, and, and brings deliverance to, to people, and it is the gospel. It is more powerful than the Roman Empire. It is more powerful than a nuclear missile because it actually has the power to break down all the barriers that humanity has put up. And it allows us to love in ways that we never thought we could. In, in our world today, there are so many divisions, and I'm not going to dwell on those. I'm going to rather say that Jesus gives us the power to look past those and see that, that those are humans and they're people that are loved by God, and what we can do is love people. And in, in Galatians 5, uh, Chris just kind of read through that, the last part of that chapter. He, he goes through the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, uh, temperance, and he says, against such there is no law. Those things, have, you, you won't be condemned for loving. So, so the gospel frees us from the power of sin, and it allows the power of the gospel to spread over all these places. And I'm always fascinated that, that God trusted his people with the gospel, knowing who we are. But he trusts us with the gospel, which leads us to the third thing. So if the gospel uh, delivers us from the power of sin, it, it breaks down all the barriers in the world, then that gives us the freedom and the power to share the gospel across the world. Do you know what? I, I often think about, well, why do, why do we constantly hear about missions and so on? It is very important. But true missions will never work unless God's people embrace the gospel themselves, the power of the gospel in their own lives, and begin to reach out like that. You can create all the mission organizations you want unless God's people are open-hearted and giving. Organization is an organization. So the only way, so we, we never really bring about change in our world through any way unless we experience it ourselves. Did you ever, uh, did you ever try to have somebody explain to you something and this person said, well, I don't know, I've never experienced it. Or what is worse than when you're, like, for instance, grieving and somebody comes along and says, I know just how you feel. And you know they don't. That's not very comforting. Do you know what makes the gospel powerful? It is when God's people begin to talk about what God has done in their life. How did Paul take the gospel to all the world? He just kind of went out and he, he said, look, this is what happened to me. Read Galatians. Paul says, uh, I, actually, I'm going to read just a, a little piece of it to you. This is what Paul says about his own life. He says, uh, he's writing to the people at Galatia, and it is the most autobiographical portion of, of Paul's writings. He says, for I, for I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel was preached that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And Paul talks about how his life just radically changed. From there, Paul was a zealous, loud, overbearing guy who was, who was persecuting the church. And from there, he spent three years alone in, 
in a desert or semi-alone in a desert embracing the life of Jesus. And so I think that the power of the gospel is in the deliverance of us from sin, our sinful nature, and the sin that around us. And then it breaks down all the barriers and we begin to see people not for what people perceive them to be, but for what God sees them to be. And then as our own lives change and we begin to respond in love and in peace and in mercy, we reach out and that, that is the most, the most powerful tool in the kingdom of God is people who are redeemed. It's you and you. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what does this have to do with children? And we have a baby dedication. I was really tempted to talk about child training this morning, but I chose not to since... Uh, uh, although if Paul could talk about marriage... Maybe I could talk about child... Tra- no, anyway, yeah. Uh, we don't have children for those of you who are visiting, so... Uh, but I was thinking about this in relation to children. The greatest gift you can give your child is for them to know that their father or their mother, their parents, have embraced the life of Jesus and to make them hungry for that life in the way that you live. Because then you don't have to, or for anyone, you don't have to uh, shove it down somebody's throat. When we were first, uh, God moved a miracle in Narita in my life in about 1993. Something like that. When there was a crusade in Holmes County. And uh, I remember Dave Miller, you know Dave and Ruth Ann Miller. Dave Miller's and us, we were so excited about what God had done to us. We went up to the Belden Village Mall and we just walked, we had no plan. And we just walked around in the mall and found people. And, and I, remember, I was with Dave, and we walked up to this, this guy, and this guy's like, he was carrying a snake, and I hate snakes. Uh, some, it was a pet shop thing. And he was carrying a snake, you know, and, and Dave said, uh, uh, can I talk to you about something? The guy said, why are you two smiling so much? And, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity to talk about what had happened in our lives. But that is, that is the authenticness of the gospel. The authenticness of the gospel is found when we experience it ourselves. And so the greatest gift you can give your children, the greatest gift we can give the world, is to allow the, the power of God to work in our lives, to create in us uh, demeanor, actions, and ways that, where we bring glory to God. Let's pray together. Lord, um, Thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you for how it is found not in a set of bullet points or something we have to memorize, but it is found in a person, your son. And I pray those, uh, all of us, as we struggle with the brokenness of us, the brokenness of our lives, the sin which so easily besets us, I pray that as we wrestle with that, that we would find the courage to say, I need help. And in that help, we find deliverance. And in that deliverance, we begin to see people for who they truly are. And then we share our heart with those people. I pray that you would bless us. And in our world today, I pray, Jesus, that you would bring comfort and peace and freedom to the world, to our world and the world around us. Protect us. And thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.
told someone before the service that this is the, my favorite part of any of church life. It's when we dedicate children. And uh, so I'm going to ask uh, those of you who have made arrangements, Tim's, Mike's, and uh, if the grandparents wish to, come on up with Tim's if you want to. That'd be uh, special. Uh, and uh, Benson's have made arrangements this morning. Come on up. Now this is, uh, this is not... Uh, uh, baptism or consecration necessarily. What we're, at, what we're saying this morning is that, uh, that God has given us a special gift here and we want to recognize that special gift. Benson will be in shortly here. There he is. Okay. I, I found that I read these verses uh, for those of, for all of us here, but um, in Deuteronomy, it says, You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. That's what made the, the sermon make sense kind of in connection because if you can talk about your own personal journey, there's nothing more powerful to these children than your own personal journey as their parents and grandparents. It, uh, it goes on and says, Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Talk about it with your children. Uh, the command of God is that we should diligently uh, raise our children in the faith. Um, in obedience to that command, uh, these parents and, and more as we go through this month uh, are bringing their children to present them to God. Um, it, there, there is precedent for this in the, in, the new, in the Bible. For instance, Hannah brought her son Samuel to be presented as God's child. And so we're doing that this morning. Um, so uh, to you three sets of parents here. Uh, you have recognized your child as a gift of God or your children as a gift of God and, you give, and you're giving thanks for them. Uh, do you pledge today that you will do your best to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and uh, give them every possible benefit of a Christian home, of education, and of the church? Tim and Diane? So, Lord, today, let's have the rest of you stand. I'm going to just go from uh, left to right here, and then I'm going to try these names. Uh, this is the challenging part. Uh, it's uh, Tim and Diane have Jane, Isla, and Ethan Timothy. Ethan will not remember this day. He's fast asleep. Um, Benson and Katasha have Theodore Declan, and Mike and Melissa have Dana Chantel. So, it's going to take the time to just uh, have a, pr a prayer of dedication here. So, Lord, today we present to you Jane, Ethan, Theodore, and Dana. We believe that in your loving care and with the prayers of those around them, that they will respond to the work of your Spirit in the future to bring them to trust in you, in you as their Savior. Thank you for uh, bringing Jane and Ethan to Tim and Diane's life. I pray that you would give them wisdom and strength. And I thank you for bringing Theodore to Benson and Katasha's life. I pray that you would give them wisdom and strength as they raise him. I thank you for bringing Dana to Mike and Melissa. I pray that you would give them strength. And Lord, today we dedicate Jane, Ethan, Theodore, 
and Dana to you. And as a church, we stand together with them. And as grandparents, we stand together with them. And we pray a blessing upon Jane, Ethan, Theodore, and Dana this morning. We pray that you would bless them with strength and courage. I pray that you would keep them physically safe. I pray that you would bless their parents as they give to them. And I pray that as they go from here, that they would be recognized in the kingdoms of light and darkness as belonging to your people. Keep them safe until they can reach the age of accountability where they can make their commitment to you. Thank you for them, and I pray a blessing on them. In the name of Jesus, amen. She's already got it. Amen. The rest of you are dismissed. Thank you. Remember Wednesday evening service here at uh, 7 o'clock. Theodore?